They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty. This is season two, episode number four of this show and we are exclusively looking at the tier three banned movies. Well, I say banned movies. Um, They weren't really banned. Confiscated maybe, sometimes. To be honest, like after going through the two movies for this month's episode, I'm wondering if anyone even bothered to do any quality checking. Um, joining me, of course, is my permanent co-host on this season. It is the great Mark Ball. How are you doing, sir? Good morning, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Doing the Nasty. This morning, we're going to be pouring bleach into our eyes so that we can forget that we saw these fucking terrible movies. <laughs> you know, the thing is, the frustrating thing is, like, you come off an episode where you get to talk about The Hills of Eyes, and Mark of the Devil, and you are riding that that kind of exploitation train high. You're just like, this is uh-huh. this is what I'm fucking talking about. And then you are brought back down um, with maybe arguably the worst two movies we've seen thus far. Uh, I mean, you could make a case. Well, you, maybe one of them isn't terrible. It's just needless. Uh, but one of them is certainly, I would say, maybe the worst movie we've done thus far. <laughs> Yeah, this episode is kind of the equivalent of, like, if it was back in the day and we were just watering, like, exploitation grindhouse theaters on 52nd Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the last episode was, like, the really nice theater where, like, you know, seats are clean. You get some, like, relatively fresh popcorn and they show great movies. But then maybe you get a little bit too drunk or, you know, you do some drugs out in the parking lot or something and you get a little rowdy so the ushers boot you out. Mm-hmm. And you got to go down the street to the fucking theater where the dude's like pissing like right by the front door and <laughs> walk in the door and it just it just smells like vomit and bo and like nasty fucking vagina and the the movies break halfway through and mm-hmm. you're all, you're almost grateful because it gives you an excuse to leave halfway in between like one of these awful fucking movies. That's this episode. We're gonna be doing good to get out of this. Not stabbed by a crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and some weird twist of fate because I explained right in episode one how my random selection process worked for this and I went out my way to make sure that the movies were spaced out quite far and somehow we've ended up with an episode with two movies about eye trauma I don't know yeah. <laughs> the two eyeball movies I, I'm assuming these are the only two eyeball movies on this list but maybe there's others but yeah, there's how, a Fulci the fuck... movie somewhere on this list and there's eye trauma, right? That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah, Fulci eye trauma is like its own fucking genre unto itself. These these movies are like shockingly similar and like two, two out of the 82 movies and somehow we landed on both of these for this episode. So uh, yeah. yeah, this is this is the, the ocular penetration episode. It's the 
real life eyeball transplant surgery episode, which like faces of death totally did a couple of years after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, quite a few. Man, I was shocked how early these movies came out. These are like, are these both seventy one? They're like seventy one and seventy two or something. Seventy one and seventy six. Although seventy six, I think, is when it was you know like um, more commercially available. I think the movie it certainly has a feel that it was maybe doing the run before that. Right. So, but yeah, this is like. I don't know how it happened. And then, weirdly enough, weirdly, um, on that February show, it was a it was a love butcher and a honeymoon horror or whatever it was. They both had love. <laughs> the, I don't. I don't fucking know. All I can all I can see guests listening to this show, uh, dear listeners, is I did not plan this. I did not plan this at all. Just randomly, things have ended up the way they are. And yeah, these movies do like have similar kind of themes but they couldn't be any more different if they tried and we we will get into that and i imagine <laughs> i was gonna say great detail i don't really want to get into it in great detail i just kind of want to <laughs> sk- skim through this fucking episode quickly this is, this is the problem the, pro- the problem is and i was just saying to you just before i hit record is that like when i went through the tier one and tier two movies well Andy we were like some of these movies are the worst movies we've ever seen um, and now I'm watching some of these movies in the tier three list and it's making me think that some of the movies that I genuinely did not like in the the kind of tier one tier two list are actually maybe alright <laughs> I, I don't want you come full want, circle I don't want that I don't want to be like questioning my my acceptable standard <laughs> for a shit movie. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, I don't know. We're going to get through them anyway. Before we get to that, as always, we like to, to shoot the shit a little bit at the start of an episode, kind of catch up um, and uh, see how we're getting on. Obviously, as we touched on in the previous episode, and as I imagine everyone listening to the show is fully aware, uh, the world is fucking fucked. The world is actually fucked. Um... I, like the the world is fucking the headless eyes. That's what it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're spending our last days on Earth watching shit like Headless Eyes and Mansion of the Doomed. If uh, that, that tells you how how things are going in our lives right about yeah. now, the world is burning down around <laughs> us in every sense of the word. But we're still here. I mean, we're like you know things can always be worse. We're we're still here talking about shitty movies. So yeah, how's can't your, complain too much. How's your how's your lockdown going? Are you are you deemed as being essential? Are you out working or? Uh, I am essential. I'm not really out too much. I'm mostly just at the office, like answering phones and shit and sending other people out to work. So mm-hmm. like I, I've been working. I, I forget if we, I, I can't, my sense of time is so fucked up because I actually was out of work for two weeks. I, I had like, a, I can't remember if we talked about this on the last episode, but yeah, I basically just had like a cold, like a cold for like a couple of days and my boss flipped out and said you're home for two weeks like i i absolutely did not have the shit uh i had a little bit of a fucking cold but i got a two-week vacation out of it it wasn't paid but so you're, um, you're you're confirming 100 on this show you did not have the rona uh not as far as i know i mean i didn't get an actual test but yeah didn't didn't have the rona it's 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 springtime so like my fucking allergies are going absolutely crazy 
Uh, I totally, oh man, a couple of really weird things happened last night while I was trying to fucking get Mansion of the Doom finished off. The first one was I went into the bathroom to go take a leak and I was like, my nose is like super stuffed up for some reason. So I went to blow my nose and I looked down and it looks like a fucking guar show. I'm just like gushing blood out of my fucking, like you get that like movie moment where you look up into the mirror and you're just gushing fucking blood out of your nose. Like, huh, that's weird. I don't get fucking nosebleeds very often, but I, I, I was good like 25 minutes into Mansion of the Doomed, so that might have something to do with it. <laughs> the other super weird thing happened like a little bit later into the movie. I was sitting out in the living room and my girlfriend was like on the other couch messing around on her phone. I'm watching Mansion of the Doomed and I hear the cat start going fucking crazy in the kitchen like he's he's like meowing and like hissing like he like sees something that pisses him off and i got the back door propped open a little bit so i'm kind of wondering if there's just a cat like another cat out of the back porch he's all pissed off so i get up and go look no the cat is in the kitchen he has got one of his front claws stuck in the fucking hinge on one of the cupboards like about about twice as tall as he is so he's like standing there and he's totally stuck and he's like panicking kind of and i just see this and i'm like oh sweet fucking christ this is gonna end up in a trip to the vet and thankfully it didn't he like calmed down for a second so that i could just kind of like pick him up and he like could lift his claw out of this fucking hinge but thank god this happened like while we were home and not while we were gone or something or he would have been like stuck like that or he probably just would have ripped his whole fucking claw out and would have just like a bloody stump where it used to be but yeah, two two super weird things while I'm trying to watch this fucking awful, boring, stupid ass movie, and it's like the the universe is like conspiring to get me to not finish this fucking movie, and I'm like, I, I, we record tomorrow morning. I gotta have this done. So the, the universe is balancing it out from the banality of the movie. It's giving you like too much excitement elsewhere. You know, everywhere else. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just expecting like a shootout to start occurring outside my house <laughs> or something, or a fucking piano to fall through the ceiling. It's just like. What next? Oh man! Oh, I, I suppose I suppose we better get into this. Like, I, I think we were kind of kind of half joking off here, but I think like the sentiment is true. I don't expect this episode to run long, so strap yourselves in. And I, I also say I know there's some people out there that really are trying to be completists along with us. Like, this is a public safety, you know, warning. Don't don't watch these movies. <laughs> Yep, we're watching them so you don't have to. These are fucking terrible and a waste of your time, especially considering how little time on this earth we all may potentially have at this point. So uh, yeah. go do something else with your life. I mean, listen, listen to the show. Yes, obviously, but uh, yeah, don't yeah. don't fucking man, don't do you're <laughs> you're a real trooper if you're watching along with us. Because man, this was this was rough. Yeah, right. Well, let's let's just get into it then, man. So we're gonna take a short break just now. You are going to hear um, some kind of learned comments ripped directly from the disc, um, which like I have to record on my phone. <laughs> Hence the weird audio. Um, so you're going to hear the, the, the kind of blurb as a run-up to the movie. You're then going to hear the trailer, and then when we return, myself and Mark are going to start with a little bit of Mansion of the Doomed. That's right, such a cool, cool title. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, let's let's uh, let's take a break and then come back and talk about uh, an episode of Columbo that doesn't feature Columbo. Uh, 
<laughs> we'll be right back to discuss that right after this. Massacre Mansion also released as Mansion of the Doomed and probably filmed as the Eyes of Dr. Cheney. Well, frankly, it's a remake of Les Yeux Sans Visage, except it's the other way around. It's not eyes without a face, it's the face without eyes. Uh, as in Les Yeux Sans Visage, our mad doctor has stupidly crashed his car and injured his daughter, but he's blinded her. However, him being a genius eye surgeon, he finds a way of transplanting the eyes of unwilling living donors into her head. Uh, however, they don't last long, so he keeps doing it, and the basement just fills up with uh, eyeless and fairly annoyed people who, in the end, do what mutants always do in, in films like this, uh, and get their horribly ironic revenge. It's kind of a fun picture in a way. It's uh, the director is Michael Pataki, who was best known as an actor. I think he's terrific in Grave of the Vampire, where he plays the vampire. He's also kind of fun in uh, Zoltan Hound of Dracula as the last descendant of Dracula. Um, but not, we have to say, much of a director. It's, it's a, a bit of a plod. It's one of the early productions from Charles Band's stable. So it's sort of a you know, a foundation stone of, of his mini-exploitation empire, which has lasted several decades since. I'm surprised he's not remade it or made 15 sequels to it like everything else he's, he's had his name on. It's kind of a cool cast for a, um, you know, a frankly rubbish exploitation film. Richard Basehart, uh, who plays Dr. Len Cheney to homage horror films of, of, of previous era. He started out as a really great, intense, uh, American character actor in film noir. He made a, a great movie called 14 Hours about a guy standing on a ledge. And then he was married for a while to Valentino Cortesi, the Italian actress, and went to Rome and he appeared in Fellini movies. And then somehow after that, he, he ended up on television doing Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea for endless years, which I think took a bit of the... the the gloss of him as a, a movie star. He did appear in major motion pictures afterwards. He's in The Satan Bug, for instance, as a mad scientist in that as well. But he didn't get the kind of leading roles his talent deserved. And in this little film, he's really trying. He's really putting out, he's going for the pathos of this stupid role, uh, which is badly written and makes no sense. But he's really working hard at it. And the as it, almost by default, the young hero is uh, Lance Henriksen, who must have the longest filmography of any exploitation veteran um, going. And he's been in almost, I, I would imagine, well over 100 pictures by now. This is one of his early credits. It's, it's odd seeing a young Lance Henriksen. It's also unfortunate because one of the reasons people hire Lance Henriksen is he's got these great eyes. Uh, they photograph really well on screen. He's got this kind of fanatic gleam. And, of course, most of this film he's playing with his eyes bandaged because he's had them ripped out and put into somebody else's face, which limits his ability to act down there in the basement. However, he gets his own back at the end. This is 36 Beach Hill Drive. Inside this house, something so horrifying is taking place. We cannot show it to you on television. They told you death was the ultimate horror. They were wrong. Some movies you watch, some you feel. You'll feel Mansion of the Doomed. Mansion of the Doomed. And welcome back. So... 
you've just heard a bit of blurb and the trailer for Mansion of the Doom from what they're claiming is 1976. Feels older than that. Uh, this one is directed by Michael Pataki, um, based on the screenplay by Frank Ray Pirelli. The movie itself um, weirdly stars a very young Lance Henriksen, which, like, I, you, I, I was shocked because I was like, "Fuck this movie!" And I was like, "Is that La- is that Lance Henriksen?" Yep. <laughs> Babyface Han- Henriksen. Yeah, like, because anyone that's seen him, I don't know, kind of post uh, near dark knows that that man has more wrinkles than any other man on the planet. Um, and in this one, it's like his face has been steam cleaned. Um, like <laughs> trouser press. There's not a line or a blemish on this man's face. Uh, it stars Richard Baseheart, uh, Gloria Graham, Trish Stewart, Al Ferrara, Jojo Damore, um, and other folks. Really, I don't know why I'm reading these out. Uh, the synopsis for this one is an insane surgeon finds himself... <laughs> <laughs> finds himself this is a t- by the way this is an amazing this is not an official synopsis this is written by someone called Ornas um, oh bitchin so it's an insane surgeon finds himself up to his armpits and eyeballs after guilt prompts him to begin removing the eyes of abducted people in the hopes of performing transplants on his daughter who lost her own in a car accident he caused I like I like how it says up to the armpits. Usually, usually people are up to the elbows and things, but this guy's all the way up to his fucking armpits. That's a lot of eyes being removed in this movie, Mark. Um, like, uh, like I, I would I joked when I said like an episode of Columbo minus Columbo, but it really is an episode of Columbo minus Columbo. This movie yep. weirdly it's got um, it's the Charles Band is. Produced this, so this is like, like it must be one of these obscure is, ones. I mean, he's produced fucking everything. Um, yeah, this this is this is way way before Full Moon was a, a thing for sure, and I, I was totally expecting a Richard Band soundtrack, which mm-hmm. got me excited. Obviously, Richard Band, like he's probably best known for his Reanimator score that fucking totally ripped off Psycho. <laughs> um, but uh, that was one thing I noticed absolutely immediately about this movie was the music i was like that sounds really really familiar mm-hmm. so i looked it up and hey we get our we get our mystery science theater connection here the music was written by a guy named R- R- robert o ragland uh he also I, I checked his film his filmography for uh, uh music writing credits and he totally did the music to a later episode of mystery science theater called the touch of satan which is another really terrible late seventies, like or early seventies, like devil movie. And it's the exact same score, like <laughs> note for note. He didn't even bother writing a new score for, I'm pretty sure this movie, although I'd have to look it up, but I think, I think this came out after touch of Satan. He just re reused the same soundtrack, like note for note. It's, it's the exact same thing. So like, I had the weirdest deja vu watching this whole thing because I've seen that episode of Mystery Science Theater like a million times, so I know <laughs> that stupid fucking music because they make fun of it a lot in the episode. And yeah, it's it's the same thing here. So uh, yeah, the, it, the, this I've, I, this movie had that working against it for, as far as I'm concerned from the get go because I'm like, the fuck, man, you couldn't even write a new soundtrack. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. You <laughs> just like, just give me some money. I don't want to involve with this. Um, yep. Yeah, so the, the I mean, that, that synopsis, as funny as it is with its armpits uh, and eyeballs, um, it's pretty much, that's what the, the movie's about. Very early on, um, you know, this, this accomplished eye surgeon um, finds out that he's you know well, he has a car accident and his beloved daughter loses her eyesight and he at first is trying to repair the ocular nerve. Now, th- what's really interesting about this is I think you can't. Like, I think science has moved so far that we can repair the damage that's in this movie. So, like by twenty twenty standards. This is a silly fucking movie, right? This is yeah. like, like really, really silly. We're like, yeah, you just like, yeah, you just repair it. But back then, I imagine this was like, this was like Star Trek. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like one day they will be able to remove eyes and put them in. Um, so yeah, like essentially, his friend and his daughter's lover, uh, played by a very young Lance Henriksen, who also happens to be an eye surgeon, um, kind of patterns this ability to replace corneas and this gives the the surgeon father did a you know a, a great idea of i'll just i'll just take eyes and put them in but i have to take them from people that are living because if they die then the ocular nerve dies as well and basically after that it is a whole lot of needless inner monologue um, and scenes of this dude just going out picking up homeless people or prostitutes or um, random randos basically um, taking their eyes out but, he, but <laughs> he's not a killer Mark right so what he does instead is he imprisons them in his dungeon <laughs> <laughs> This is where the title comes in, the the actual mansion of the doomed, question mark. Uh, Yeah, it's like a a very uh, Corman uh, fucking, by way of Poe, prison cell in the bottom of his dungeon full of all these fucking eyeless people that just, like, spend their days moaning and crying in agony and wishing they could get out. And it's, 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 it's hilariously weirdly dark it, it feels like something right out of like a tales from the crypt or something like i think this would have made a way 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 better 40 minute tales from the crypt than a fucking 90 minute movie that felt like it was five hours long of course uh, of course it would i mean like it's funny you mentioned poe as well because if you look at the artwork for this one the doctor looks like edgar Allan poe um, yep. and he doesn't look like that in the movie at all <laughs> but it's done that way where he's like you know, I must crack the, the, the mystery behind the eyes. Why do the eyes not take... You know, like, so we get just a lot of him kind of doing this nonsense. Like, what at one point, someone is... This is like one of my favourite things about the movie. Someone escapes, right, from the... From, you know, So they're all kind of like, you need to go because you'll fit through this gap and you need to get out there. And as soon as you clear the grounds, how she's going to know that? I don't fucking know. But as soon as you clear the grounds, you need to start screaming for someone to, to, to come and help you. And um, so this woman manages to escape and then just starts like wandering about a really busy road. So she can clearly hear the cars, right? <laughs> Zooming past either side, right? But she just wanders out the road. She's struck with a car. And then we get one of my favourite things ever, which is the coroner and the police officer 
and just some random woman in the background having a conversation where the, the, the coroner's like, no, I'm telling you, the eyes were removed before she was struck with a car. Because you know that thing that happens, Mark, when you're hit with a car that you, both your eyes just fly at your skull? Oh, yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> all the time. Uh, he's like, no, this is like legacy scar tissue here. So, you know, um, and he's like, oh, right, let's... I wonder what's... And then the woman in the back tries to say something and she's just like this random woman. And the police officer basically puts his hand on her face and like, <laughs> get out of the way, random woman. You're not supposed to be in this shop. Um, and then they're like, oh, we need to we need to see if you... You need to go and speak to an expert. The expert who lives basically where the accidents happen is an eye surgeon. And this police officer goes to visit him and doesn't piece anything together that is really strange that this eye surgeon would live right beside where this woman was found, you know, struck by a car who is missing her eyes. And, <laughs> like, it's just... It, like this is the this is the point where I was like this is where Peter Falk needs to show up with his weird glass eye and that would be the link you know he would be invested in this he said like because that's where the lines he's like did we find a glass eye and then the the, the, the coroner says he's like that he goes it's unlikely that someone would have two glass eyes um, <laughs> and I'm like is this a comedy is this a, is this actually a fucking comedy and it's it just, I mean, it goes exact. This movie goes exactly the way you expect it to from the start. Basically, the, the problem is he can't repair his daughter because every time he gives her a new set of eyes, they work for a bit of time and then her body rejects them or they degrade and then he needs to abduct someone else to do the operation again. Each time, like like Sam Beckett in Quantum Leap, each time hoping that the next time will be the leap home. You know what I mean? He's like, every time he does it, he thinks he's going to, he's going to solve the day and all he's doing is creating an unbearable noise downstairs in the dungeon <laughs> just like, it's like a, it's like the worst version of bum fights I've ever seen in this basement here as people are just like shoving each other in illegal headlocks and they can't do the eye rate because no one's got eyes um, nope. it's just and then ultimately the daughter comes to the realisation of what has happened she tricks her dad into going down there, the dad ends up imprisoned with his, you know, his many captured captured victims who, in a swift sense of irony, remove his eyes. The end. <laughs> yeah, very very tales from the crypt kind of ending. Of course, it does. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. Is it, you're right that this is to me a very quick tales from the crypt, or maybe even like a, a kind of you could you could EC comic this for sure. And have this as, you know, like a creep show short or something. And get everything across that you need to. But the the way they're trying to make this a horror movie, it, it doesn't, even with all the eye stuff that's going on, it never really takes a step into what I would class as horror territory. You know what I mean? It's like the, the most horrific thing is the, 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 the dungeon sequences. And even then, it's difficult not to giggle when they're happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's really in the execution. I, there's a lot of I think really dark ideas mm-hmm. in this movie, but they're they're just like they just manage to bungle every single one of them. And yeah, it's, it just comes off as like a fucking Keystone Cops slash Columbo slash 
really bad like like they're 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 trying real hard to do the Frankenstein thing with Richard Basehart, mm-hmm. but he just comes off as like drunk through like most of this. Like, I, <laughs> d- d- am I the only one that had like a really hard time understanding about ninety percent of his dialogue? Because it just sounds like he's just like slurring it into a fucking microphone and post James in a studio Mason-esque somewhere. Voice, if you know what I mean. It kind of sounds kind of a bit like James Mason in uh, Salem's Lot. Yeah, and, and he, the like, master, he, he, the master, yes. Oh, the master's coming for you. And he just has like pages and pages and pages of dialogue through this thing, and a lot of it's like medical stuff. And you can't fucking at least the copy that I watched, like you can't understand about ninety percent mm-hmm. of what he's saying. So it's it's like watching your fucking drunk uncle in a really bad <laughs> version of Frankenstein that's got like some some medical footage like thrown in for extra gross out. But yeah, this is, this is just like a horribly ineffective movie that like goes nowhere and is deadly boring. And, uh, it, it's kind of sad because Richard Basehart's actually like, dude, this dude's got like 150 fucking film oh, yeah. credits. He was, he was a big deal back in the fifties. He did a lot of like Westerns and old noir stuff. Like this dude is, this is toward the, uh, this has got to be towards the end of his, uh, his film career. I, he, did, he did voiceover for something. Uh, oh, not, he was the voice of Knight Rider, the narrator. Oh, uh, really? Wow. Yeah, that's that. That was the end of his career. So, and that that show ended in like '83, I think. So, I, I think he did that for quite. But yeah, he he doesn't look good in this movie, and he he sounds half wasted through a good chunk of it. Uh, Lance Henriksen, I think, is kind of just completely wasted on this movie. He yeah. looks pretty cool in the eyeless makeup, but uh, even like at that point in his career, he, he the dude's got chops and he's got like a screen presence mm-hmm. that is mostly wasted in this movie. Like you know, I can't really like it, it's shot so poorly. I can't really distinguish who a lot of the people in the basement are. Yeah. So like it's he he might as well just be like any one of those weird random fucking eyeless ghouls down there. Uh, yeah, which, yeah, like, is also, like, a really scary idea, but is, like, it's, it's just executed in such a way in this movie that, like, comes off as more hilarious than anything, so, yeah, yeah, this, this, this whole thing just, it just doesn't really have a whole lot going for it, I, I thought it was kind of creepy when he, when he tries to kidnap the fucking kid, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's like there, like you said, there are elements in here. There's ideas which, on paper, are executed in a in a better fashion for the genre would really, really make this movie take a turn. I mean, like when I was watching it, the, the, the thing is, when I'm watching a movie like this, I can see the themes um, and ideas of like a movie like Eyes Without a Face. You know, the idea of you know the accident that takes the face off, so the you know the the plastic surgeon basically tries to replace her face with something. I can I can see that that has obviously had an impact and they've decided to do it, but, you know, instead of eyes without a face, they'll do a face without eyes. So they'll invert it, so to speak. And, you know, on some level, that kind of... His journey of how he goes almost very kind of Hellraiser-esque with Julia just, like, kidnapping people and bringing them back to be consumed by Frank... I mean, I, I like that idea. I think that idea is pretty fucking cool. I also like the the kind of the weird duality of a guy who would almost, you know, murder a child for well, not murder, almost like remove the eyes of a child to give to his daughter to give her the eyesight back because of his extreme guilt. But when the 
the idea of killing someone that he has essentially blinded comes up. He leans back on this kind of Hippocratic oath of, well, you know, I can't, I can't kill them. I'm a surgeon. I'm a doctor. I'm, you know, doctors don't kill. You know, like so. There's this weird, like, really an interesting theme there that could be fleshed out and more could be done with that and it just never really finds its footing at all and interestingly enough because the movie can't really decide what it's going to do once the eyes have been removed with these victims as a viewer I ultimately feel like like this movie is basically a mansion with a basement which is like a dungeon just full of really interesting ideas that are locked up that you know that can't get out. It just it never it never really goes fully. It never really commits to what it should commit to, and as a result, it feels fairly pedestrian throughout. Even though the subject matter itself is grim, um, and yeah, and ultimately, I just I I constantly kept kind of falling back on this feels like like a, like a TV like like a TV episode or some murder crime mystery thing. Um, yep. And I mean, and it's time maybe maybe it paired quite well as you know, like an opening on a, a like a double bill, uh, or you know, paired really well as like the the closing movie of a, a triple bill where no one's going to be awake at that time. But <laughs> you know, it just it, I'm with you. I think there's there's clearly ideas here, and there's clearly some good performances as well. It just lacks the the direction it, it lacks the it lacks the balls really there's <laughs> plenty of eyeballs but not enough balls to really go dark and and kind of really grab the the subject matter and elevate to something which is ultimately which should be traumatising that I mean this movie like if I imagine if this this, this is the sort of movie that should if executed rightly be one of those ones that scar people when they see it at at the wrong age on the TV and it just haunts them you know they don't want to go and see an optician anymore because their eyes will be you know all these different things and it just doesn't it just doesn't deliver that it is a classic example of a movie where there's maybe one or two scenes towards the end that have been picked out and shown to the censors in the UK as because that's how that's how they did things over here is essentially they would have like a highlight reel of like out of context shots the worst shots of all these movies and they would show them to the censors and show them to the you know the, the right wing press and the, the politicians at the time and that's how they ended up on the band list or sometimes just purely by the name you know what I mean like if, if the name featured anything to do with a power tool then it was banned because of Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, right so like in the case of this one there are a couple of scenes where there's eyeless people you know with some Pretty cool makeup. I, I did think some of the makeup looked pretty, pretty awesome. So I am, uh, wasn't it fucking. Isn't it's Stan Winston is fucking credited yeah. as makeup effect. Stanley Winston. Sorry, yes. I'm, I'm sure that's <laughs> early, early in his career also. But yeah, they, they, they at least they, they they knew that much to get a guy that really knows what he's doing, even that early, early yeah. in his career. It's. I mean, it looks it, it looks surprisingly surprisingly effective. And as a result, I imagine you grab a couple of couple of excerpts from this movie, you put on a highlight reel and you show censors and they're like, it's a movie about eye removal? Right, the, the, yeah, band list, band list straight away. 
But when you watch it, you realise that the, the banality of the movie is you know, it totally undoes anything in the way of or dread or impact in the actual scenes themselves. <coughs> uh, yeah, I just I, I, I got to the end of it and I just felt like it was it was just a waste of time. <laughs> it was like a, not as much as the next movie we're going to discuss, but this one, you know, th- there is there is talent here. It's just the, the the subject matter and the story the story itself is yeah it's it's best served as a as a horror <coughs> short than it is as a full length movie. All, all of the talent was old and tired in this movie at point, and I uh, kind of going back. I I kind of think the censors probably watched the first five minutes of and decided it was banned because mm-hmm. we actually get like one of the gnarlier shots in a dream sequence within the first five minutes of this where the doctor is actually like gouging with his thumbs gouging somebody's fucking eyes out and it's pretty gnarly and actually like kind Mm. of effective like i almost had a little bit of hope for this movie at that point and i I think we also get some of the actual like eyeball transplant surgery like the real shit within within the first five minutes so i i kind of think the censors probably watched the first five minutes and then bailed which is also something they did at the time is they would you know they, they would watch a movie just for there's a one or two on the tier two list which are essentially like this like pedestrianized like crime mystery movies but because there is some kind of mondo footage flung in at the start um they instantly went on the band list <laughs> like you know like instantly like straight it wasn't it wasn't even like there was not, you know, do not, do not pass go, do not collect. It was like straight. To they the did the thing that I used to do on the um, Midnight Horror Show, the, 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 five, the five minute fancy or whatever the fuck it was called, where I watched the first first five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one more thing, real quick. Yeah. I, I looked up the director of this movie, Michael Pataki, and it's interesting that you say that this looks like a TV movie because this dude ha- also has like what looks like a hundred and fifty. Uh, act, he, he, uh, acting credits. His dude has acted in like every fucking oh. TV movie, like uh, all the way back to '58. He was in a movie called The Young Lions. But yeah, a lot of these are TV movies. So I think probably by the time he made this movie, that was kind of just like that's. It's like an entirely different way of shooting stuff. Basically, you don't get a lot of second takes. It's go go go. We got to have this on the air by like next week, and it's gotta you know still be edited and shit kind of style. You know the same same if you're shooting a TV show. Like it is the the pace is very very different than if you're shooting a a feature length film. So that that probably has a lot to do with it. The one acting credit I wanted to point out is uh, Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers. He plays Doctor Hoffman. I assume is one of the one of the doctors really? in that movie. That's 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 him. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yep. that's the man. Yep, this that's is your fault, Michael Pataki. Um, <laughs> uh, let's swing into some grades here. I'd like once again, as a quick reminder out there, there are four grades that we roll on doing the nasty. If this movie is like essentially one of the most traumatising movies you've ever seen and well placed to be on a band list then I mean it's doing hard time if the movie you know has shades you know it's got a bit of, a bit of swagger of, of, of vileness about it and, and trauma then you, you could do some you know a community service um, if it is a movie which you know I mean is has like some semblance of something in it where you can start to feel yourself go right I can maybe 
begin to see if you're a complete lightweight novice and you've never seen anything before, I could see maybe you would start to lean towards something, but ultimately you should know better, then that is a slap on the wrist. But we also have Case Dismissed, which is this movie, you know, shouldn't even be entertained on a band list. And that's where I land with um, with Mansion of the Doomed. Again, like so many that we've already discussed thus far. There's just nothing, even even the gnarlier scenes at the beginning, you are right, you get that kind of, oh, right, <laughs> what am I about to watch here? Even those scenes are, you know, like, I, I, I find that, like, they're, they're jarring in terms of the context of, right, that's what we're getting straight away, but the rest of the movie goes out its way to undo any any trauma that this movie might serve. So it's a definite case dismissed from me. What about yourself, Mark? What are you uh, for this one? Yeah, I, I was thinking about giving this, like, a slap on the wrist because I, I, I think they, like, almost knew how to make, like, a fairly nasty, mean-spirited little movie, but they just... They just didn't have the energy. They need, they needed their afternoon nap, and you know, you get up and eat a sandwich and go finish this boring ass fucking movie. So yeah, is, I, I can't in good conscience, you know, sully this thing's criminal record. So we we're gonna case dismiss this bitch. Yes, there we go. So that's one movie down. That conversation was a bit longer than I expected. The next one won't be. Trust me, the next one will not be. Uh, we're gonna take a short break just now. You're gonna hear those people chat again. Uh, but this time about The Headless Eyes, which is a fucking stupid <laughs> title for a movie. I can't stress how stupid a title that is for a movie. Um, but yeah, you're also going to hear the trailer. When we return, we will be... Oh, we're going to have to. We're going to talk about this movie. We're going to do it right after this. Right, well, uh, we've got Headless Eyes, which is one of the more extraordinary films to have come out on video in this country. Thank goodness it did. I mean, it's still incredibly obscure and hard to find in any other form. This is real New York scuzz. If you've got a taste for that kind of grimy, street-level sort of uh, movie-making that you get in things like Driller Killer and Maniac, this is that kind of movie, but ten years earlier. This is made in 1971. Uh, it's such a dirty, grimy film. It feels like it was filmed in a piss street doorway. You know, it's just got that kind of, you know, just off the tenements of, of 42nd Street sort of feel to it. In fact, it's kind of a fascinating film because it feels like it's it's the kind of movie that's shot in and around 42nd Street and is destined to play in 42nd Street. So it's on this weird feedback loop where if you ever saw this at the time in the theatres that would have shown it, you'd have left and probably walked down the same streets you were just watching. So, very scuzzy film. It's kind of, it's like the cinematic equivalent of a really scary old bag lady. You know, you just think, what is that? A lot of it's handheld, very, very sort of uh, grimy looking uh, 16mm photography. It's definitely made on the hoof. I, don't, I doubt if there was ever a shooting script or anything like that. It feels kind of made up scene by scene. It's another one of these films about a killer who you meet early on in the film. So the whole film is about this miserable, whining, self-pitying creep uh, who um, takes out his frustrations on other people. And it all kicks off at the beginning with, I think, just one of the most perfect three or four minutes of exploitation scuzz where this guy breaks into a woman's apartment and uh, she wakes up whilst he's rifling through her drawers trying to find money. And as he tries to throttle her uh, to shut her up, uh, she grabs a spoon from her bedside table and gouges his eye out with it. Perfect, perfect, perfect. What a great way to start a film, gouging somebody's eye out with a spoon. And to make matters even better, he climbs out of the, the window and down the fire escape. And on the soundtrack, there's a loop. 
and it is just a loop of the same of the guy the same phrase my eye my eye my eye just going round and round so the whole thing just feels just mad it's just a bizarre bizarre film um, and then it turns out you jump forward a little bit in time and he's working out his frustrations about having his eye scooped out by creating artworks where he suspends human eyeballs from his victims. He preserves the, eye, the eyes of his victims in blocks of perspex or blocks of ice. You know, kind of decent conceptual artist, really. You know, sort of like, you know, eat your heart out, um, Damien Hirst, I think, you know. And this is long before him. So uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wacky plot, you know. It's, it, and it's kind of satirising that kind of whole Soho bohemian idea of like, you know, kind of trendy artists who set up their own little shops with selling their own kind of avant-garde art. Um, except that this guy is a real utter creep who's doing it for real and it's, you know, the, 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 he's genuinely killing people. By the time you get to the end of the movie, you can almost sense that it, 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 the, 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 the film kind of ends because they've run out of money, basically. Uh, it doesn't kind of tie up, there's no narr narrative development and no threads come together. It's just a kind of, okay, we're, we're over sense two minutes now, that's probably enough, we, and um, yeah, so let's stop. Ken Bateman, the director, there is a question as to whether or not he did actually direct it. It's been suggested, uh, rumoured, but with no proof, that, he, he, that it's actually directed by the named producer, Henri Pachard, or Ron Sullivan, as he was known, who was a porno producer. And certainly when you look at it, you think, yeah, I can believe that that was made by somebody who made their name in the porn industry. Uh, what makes you suspicious as well is that when you see the next Kent Bateman film, it's a 1977 movie called Land of No Return. It bears no relationship at all to headless eyes in style or subject matter or appearance. It's a very conventionally shot um, children's adventure film um, set in the mountains with a heroic sort of uh, uh, figure uh, played by William Shatner. And that's got Kent Bateman's name on it as well. And they seem like he's either genuinely schizophrenic <laughs> Or, you know, he, or he made Headless Eyes as a lark as his first project and swiftly became much more adept later on. But if you were to put the two films side by side, you wouldn't suspect they were made by the same person. Whereas, if you look at Ron Sullivan and his porno work, yes, you could put Headless Eyes next to that and say, yeah, that's, there's a continuum there. But I don't want to try and take Kent Bateman's credibility away as the director of this film. His name is on it. He is the name director. And although he's yet to give an interview, on the subject, it would be fascinating to find out the, the, the full story behind actually one of the most interesting and, and, and creepy and peculiar exploitation movies of the centres. The reason this one ended up on the Section 3 list is clearly because it's about eye violence. Most people are a bit um, squeamish about violence to the eye. I'm sure that at the time, things like zombie flesh eaters with you know very, very graphic attacks on, on the human eye will have sensitised the police to the idea that that's something that was a real no-go area. And so if the film is called Headless Eyes and the cover tells you it's about a guy who pokes out the eyes of his victims and then the first five minutes, a character gets their eyes scooped out with a spoon uh, and you see it dangling down their face, that's probably enough. I doubt, again, I doubt whether or not the people who attempted to prosecute this film watched more than five minutes of it. But in this case, that's all they needed to watch because there is some grisly eye violence within the first five minutes. So job done. He called himself a collector. But what he collected meant someone had to die. A maniac is loose. Obsessed by an uncontrollable urge to kill. 
watching you. But when you see him, it will already be too late. Run and he will catch you. Hide and he will find you. When you give him the eye, he was very pretty. You're already dead. Welcome back. So, yeah, you've just heard the trailer for The Headless Eyes from 1971. This is written and directed by Kent Bateman. Um, Patrick Bateman's lesser talented, <laughs> lesser attractive. It's, a, it's actually fucking Jason Bateman's dad, apparently, according to Wikipedia, which I find incredibly hard oh. to believe. I, I don't I mean, this, this is Wikipedia we're talking about, so I don't know if this is legit or not, but I, well, it's, it's, got a, it's got a reference listed for something. Yeah, Kent Bateman, the father of Justine and Jason Bateman. No idea if that's fucking Fuck no idea if that's fucking true or not, but that's that's a hilarious. Uh, it's uh, it's listed under production on on Wikipedia, and right above that we get another fun little tidbit. It's the the film also on IMDb, by the way. It's also on IMDb. Okay, fuck. Maybe this is maybe it really is fucking man. You th- you think they ever ask him about this movie? Like, hey, Dad, you remember that really <laughs> terrible fucking sleazy like driller killer ripoff that you directed? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to point out, like, uh, right, right above that on the Wikipedia page, it says, uh, This film was produced by Ron Sullivan, credited as Henry Packard, a cinematographer with a background in pornographic films. So, an- a- another, a lot of another movie with a porn <laughs> connection. This is I, I have a feeling this is going to happen a lot on this, this show. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense for some of the kind of bound, 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 uh-huh. scenes of them just walking around with that trippy 70s music. Yep. Um, there we go, you live and learn. Um, the best thing to come out of this movie is Jason Bateman. Um, so there we go. <laughs> uh, this movie stars a Bo Brunden, Ramon Gordon... Kelly Swartz and Anne Wells. I don't think any of those are real names. Um, this <laughs> the synopsis for this one is poor artist. But this is terrible. This is badly written. Poor artist gets eye gouged out while committing a robbery. When his eye heals, he goes on killing spree and cuts out women's eyes with a spoon. It sounds like bad fucking stereo instructions from a Chinese. Manual. And, and poor artist gets I go down. <laughs> it's written by a fucking robot. And 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 robbery was that supposed to be a robbery? Because it really f- seemed like it was a rape. Yeah, I kind of my impression was rape. Yeah, but I suppose one man's rape is another man's rape. Uh, uh, was was this written by fucking Donnie Junior? <laughs> so I think this maybe. Maybe, maybe Mark uh, was written by Harvey Weinstein. Uh-huh. Um, just, just gonna guess that. Just gonna guess that. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, right. Like, that's the plot, apparently, and I'm sure that that is like that was well intended as the plot. It, essentially, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned Driller Killer because Driller Killer obviously comes out or oh, like six, seven years after this. Right. It's a hugely influential movie, like hugely influential movie. It's Abel Ferrara, like to me, creating this incredible slab of art house kind of grindhouse cinema. And what you get 
interestingly enough in this movie is at its very core, very similar to the previous movie, at its very core, there is something kind of sinister and... I won't use the word cool, but cool's maybe not great. Um, gnarly about this. About a guy who, you know, whilst trying to commit a rape, loses an eye, so then decides to create a, his version of an art exhibit using eyeballs. Um, you know, like he has this... It traumatises, it fucks with him. And as a result, he has this sick fascination with gouging out eyes. And he basically becomes like a, like a slasher killer before slasher killers existed kind of stalking and and removing the eyes of his victims, right? So on paper, you have my interest. I mean, this is like, this is like child molester Freddy Krueger hunting kids in their dreams, you know what I mean? But minus the dream stuff, and this time it's just eyes. This is a horrible, reprehensible guy who gets his just desserts and then continues, if anything, becomes more malicious and more violent and more vile post that. Where this movie falls over is the acting is bad. Like, really, really, really bad. The soundtrack is... I'm glad you mentioned the porn link, link because this has essentially a porn score. And someone here really thinks that they're doing a lot of cool stuff with the cinematography. Well, it's almost almost Vaseline over the lens in terms of the, the, the way it kind of feels at times. But... And there's, I think there is also a bit of guerrilla filmmaking here as well, um, in terms of some of the shots. You know, it feels like they're taking advantage of certain scenes by just having their actors walk about the place. It doesn't feel like they, they hired a whole lot of extras, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, that being said, the movie is just, a, once again, a pedestrian movie. And it doesn't really go anywhere. And the ending is such an anti... The, <laughs> I don't even remember how this fucking movie ends. I, I watched this a he week ago. He locks himself in a fridge. He oh. locks himself in a yep. fridge. He, he tracks the last woman down to a freezer, gouges her eye out, and then goes to open the door, and the door's locked and freezes to death. It's the fucking Joker um, ending. It's the unreliable narrator. He locked himself in a fridge. and pro- Spoiler for fucking Joker, if you haven't seen it already, yeah. by the way. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's... it's it's so like because there was a part of me like I was checking because this movie's short it's like under an hour and twenty, and I was watching. I was like, right, like, this movie's got like ten minutes left, and I'm not aware of the police being much into any sort of way of being near catching this dude. They're not at all. Um, so is this guy just going to get away with it, or you know, is someone going to take it his other eye? Which that to me is the proper ending of this movie. Is he tries to attack a woman who takes it his other fucking eye? But no, we don't get that. Um, he ultimately he kills this woman, and he's like, "Yes, finally, I can create my exhibit." And then the door's locked, and he freezes to death. It's kind of reminded me a little bit of like you know that Twilight Zone episode where the guy's the last guy on earth. Yep. Um, and he's <laughs> he breaks his glasses so he can't read. Um, I, I it kind of reminded me a little bit of that, but more like the Futurama way of doing it. I don't know if you've ever seen the Futurama episode where they parody that. So, like, he goes... <laughs> his glasses break, then his eyeballs fall out. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> um, So, it I kind of... That's... It's just such a non-ending to this movie. Um, 
and it's just a, such a non-movie. It's an excuse to basically have a lot of women screaming and running away and kind of haphazardly running away, lackluster. Uh, and a guy who, to be fair, mm. and I'll give him his credit, is rocking that fucking eye patch. <laughs> if I could rock an eye patch like that, dude, I would be over the fucking moon. Uh, but he's the most painfully 70s looking guy Ever. Every time he's walking, I feel like, feel like the Bee Gees should be playing in the background because <laughs> he's dressed like a shite stunt double Bee Gee uh, with, a, with, a, with a cool leather eye patch. And that is about it. It is, it is relatively tame. There is a bit of gore towards the end, specifically with the eye gouging. Um, but all the other scenes kind of feel like they're just a bit muted and the acting is bad and the soundtrack is really overpowers this movie. It's all like... <laughs> like, or like, while he's doing fuck all, while he's like looking around the room, and I'm like, this music is far too all over the place for, for a dude just doing nothing. And that is ultimately where I came out at the end of it. It is, it is a really, 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 really bad movie. Uh, like a really bad movie. Even by video nasty standards, this is a bad fucking movie. Um, how did you like you said you watched that a week ago and you forgot the ending so yeah. it's safe to say this one didn't leave an impact and impression on you uh n- not no not not really uh yeah th- this is this is it's fucking boring for a lot of this is just a slog to get through uh a lot of the violence is is like you said like super neutered and i think just basically due to budget and incompetence like specifically the scene where he like follows the couple up to their the older drunk couple up there and he's mm-hmm. and they like almost had something cool like like they almost set up it set up the shots pretty cool where we get the reveal that he's got a hammer behind his back that like i almost again i almost had hope for this movie like when that happened but then like they totally bungle it and like can't like they they it happens like off camera basically it's 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 super amateurish and like it it just felt like such a fucking cock tease like to what could have been like a pretty gnarly gnarly scene and like that that's kind of how this whole movie is just it feels like it feels like somebody's like college art class project like film school like there there's so many movies like this out there that are just like just awful pieces of shit that I'm sure were done really early in these people's career and probably a lot of them wish they could forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh yeah. Hold on a second. My fucking cat is stuck in stuck <laughs> in the wall. What are you doing, you fucking dickhead? Get out. I have like all the- there's cats in the wall. <laughs> well, wow. it's not really stuck in the wall. I have like all these blankets hung up like on the walls that are like for soundproofing kind of, and he was like totally stuck in one. Um, yeah, that that was more exciting than anything that that really happens in uh, the the headless eyes. I, I can't I, even the title sounds stupid coming out of my mouth. And uh, yeah, of course, because it is. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is an absolute fucking waste of time. Like I, I don't even really know what to say about this there's like one or two like i kind of thought the the spinning mobile of eyeballs towards the beginning that he's got just hanging in his house was kind of cool and that that was kind of an idea a cool idea but like yeah there's there's so much i hate about this movie like they they, they introduce a couple uh 
a couple female characters, like basically all of his victims throughout this, like they get at least a little bit of a scene where they're presented as like kind of a likable character. And then this fucking dickhead kills them and rips their eyes out like five minutes later, like the prostitute character. She's got a really short scene, but like right away, they kind of are able to sell her as like a likable character. That's just looking out for this guy. Maybe he's going to blow up when he gets up to the, up to her room but the, then he fucking kills her like five minutes later it's the same thing like with the the girl that comes to his art gallery wanting to fucking learn his craft and all this dumb unbelievable bullshit like we feel bad for that girl character and we don't want anything bad to happen to her so of course five minutes later she's being killed and it's just it's just that over and over and over again for 90 minutes which once again feels like five hours and yeah, I just I fucking hated this movie. I, I I think I tried three times to fucking get through this thing before I finally finished it. And the first time, like I, I turned it on, and yeah, this this movie basically opens with a rape scene. And yep, I'm sitting here trying to like I, I I fired it up a week ago, and my girlfriend's sitting on the other couch, and she's like, I'm like, I gotta watch another shitty movie for this podcast, so. <laughs> And it, of course, just starts with a fucking rape scene. So I got like three minutes into it and just fucking shut it off and said, I'm I'm not doing this right now. I fucking come back to this. It's officially <laughs> a couple nights later. But yeah, it's, it's just like this is like that over and over again. And like the, the things the, the very few things that this movie like almost gets right are done way, way, way better in movies like Driller Killer or Maniac. Oh, yeah. Or even, oh, yeah. Even fucking, what's what's it, the last horror film from a few episodes ago? Like, kind of does some of the say, like, the, the, you, you got to kind of get, get your audience to like your character. Like, if he's like kind of an anti, I wouldn't even call him an anti hero. He's just like a, like, like, like Joe Spinella maniac, I, I would consider a, you know, likable villain, basically. It's, it's not easy to do, but this movie fucking doesn't do it at all. So yeah, I, it's, ah, man, this, this movie sucks. Don't fucking watch yeah, it. Agreed. Agreed. I'm, I'm ultimately, I'm, I'm exactly where I am with the other movie. This one is a complete case dismissed. Uh, it's just, it's so... It's interesting you like you kind of leaned into the idea of it kind of being kind of feeling like someone's thesis, like someone's like college project or something. And I think there's a kind of level where certain certain people feel the need to make a movie, if you know what I mean, as opposed to actually. Just, just because you have the equipment and the people around to make a movie doesn't necessarily mean you should make a movie, if you know right. what I mean. Nowadays, people can do that pretty, pretty easy, but um, back in the day, you know, like, there, there's, you know, there is time and effort that has to go into do it and editing and all the rest. Like, nowadays, we can do these things relatively, you can train yourself up and do them relatively quick. But there's time There's time that has went into this movie, and ultimately to see the, the, the kind of, the fruits of the labour that went into this one, and then just realise that it doesn't have, doesn't have anything. It doesn't have anything at all worth recommending it. Um, it also doesn't really have much in the way 
of anything worth banning either. Um, so it's definitely a slap in the wrist from, uh, not a slap in the wrist, a case dismissed from me. Uh, what about yourself? I, I'd, I'd go a little bit harsher. Like I said, this might this might have been another one where they just watched the first five minutes and were like, nope, fuck you. It's got eye gouging and fucking rape and violence against women. This is an automatic ban. Which, like, man, the the more more of these movies that we watch, the I, I feel like the harder I'm gonna come down on the fucking punish <laughs> all the women because they are sluts movies because this is definitely one of yeah. those this is right along there with fucking love butcher and it's it's really more like just the idea of it it's it's really not so much anything that we actually see on screen it's just kind of what the what, what they're putting on the plate in front of me that's like gonna really wear me down after a while i feel like so I, i'm gonna go with a slap on the wrist just because I, th- I think they they knew they were making an angry subversive movie and they like didn't they didn't have the talent or the know-how or the money or anything else to actually accomplish a good version of that so we we got this and it sucks so fuck this movie go do some hey you know what fuck <laughs> it go do some community service just because i hate you there you go community service from mark and uh, case dismissed from myself right we are going to take our final break when we come back we will be announcing what the next two movies are to see i'm excited is an understatement because i get a feeling we're going to have a lot more fun and a lot more to talk about on the next episode specifically with one movie where the director himself his lineage in horror is fucking ridiculous so uh, yeah we will be in them snows movies right after this this is a test of the emergency podcasting system listen to the psychosemantic podcast politics movies and political movies find us on facebook itunes stitcher legionpodcasts.com the psychosemantic podcast and you've been listening to doing the nasty season two episode number four the movies today were a complete shit show um, <laughs> let's not get around that um yeah we took the hit on this one so you guys didn't have to um however next month there is a, a little a little wry smile on my face as we tackle two movies a year apart. Um, they both came out early 80s. One of them I recently watched for the first time as part of the 88 Films Slasher Classic Collection, a collection that keeps booting me right in the testicles because <laughs> um, the quality of movies is terrible. But I actually did really enjoy this movie. It is uh, an early slasher by the name of Graduation Day. Right, directed by Herbert Freed, it has one of the greatest. I don't know why this band is playing this song for so long in the middle of this in a ro- roller rink. It's like a roller rink music video scene in the middle of this. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but it is, it is entertaining. I've well. never seen this movie, and you you know definitely for sure that I love when a movie just like stops what it's doing and plays a song in the middle of it. I, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. looking at you, Phantasm. Yeah, well, it's, 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 this movie has one of those things where it's like, this song just keeps going and going and going. And if memory serves, it's by a relatively famous band um, who they managed to obviously co- coax into this one. But this one, this is the movie that I have said that if you if you want a fun time, you pair Graduation Day and PCs together. Because uh, uh, those two movies, like, go hand in fucking hand. Beautiful. So, you... 
you're going to have a lot of fun with that. The one I'm super excited with is the second movie we'll be discussing, which is Midnight from 1982. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen Midnight. I have, and I I happen to really rather enjoy this movie um, because it's directed by a little guy called John E. Russo. Um, oh. who's like writing yeah who's writing credits Mark let me just strap yourself in for this my friend um, this guy you know wrote um, a little movie called Night of the Living Dead he also wrote The Return of the Living Dead um, he you know um, has has you know mostly Living Dead movies in, in fairness but like he did a movie called um Deliberate. I always get the name wrong because I always want to say it the other way around. The liberation of Ch- Cherry Janowski, which um, is has kind of. Um, it's like the Harley Quinn uh, title, the fucking eight, eight or nine <laughs> word long title that nobody can fucking remember. Well, it's, it's kind of it's kind of an X rated like sci fi comedy. Oh. Um, so like the guy like, is actually if, if you can track it down it's worth a watch they did they did still working by the way oh yeah still churning stuff out um, but yeah you've got you've got like let, let me give you the little synopsis for this one is a family uh, sorry a teenage runaway and two guys travelling cross country encounter a family of Satanists and you you I've got a feeling you're going to enjoy this Sweet. one because I rather enjoy this movie and graduation day as well so I, I'm hopeful that one month's time if the Rona hasn't wiped us out well, <laughs> we will have we'll have something to celebrate on this show so guys you can you will be able to find these movies out there for sure so it's midnight from 1982 and graduation day from 1981 coming up in one month's time now Mark as always, at the end of the show, we like you to plug the stuff you're doing, and you have found yourself with a bit of time on your hands to do a little bit more of that photography that you do so well. Um, how can people check out the stuff that you're doing out with the show? Uh, that's on the Instagrams. Uh, it's fancy underscore Mark. Uh, yeah, I've been shooting a lot of a lot of Resident Evil stuff lately. Lots of lots of Ninja Turtles. Uh, that's that's kind of my jam. Hopefully, I'll get back to some stop motion here at some point uh follow me on the letterbox i haven't been watching as much as usual here recently but uh that's that's fancy i think it's fancy space mark or fancy underscore mark or something along those lines uh if you want to see me yelling at our politicians and telling people that they should not drink bleach uh that's on the twitters that's fancy or no that's the fancy mark um I think that's about it. Uh, definitely, if you listen to this show and you're not listening to Podcast Under the Stairs, uh, we're getting ready to kick off the summer series here pretty soon. We might already have some of those recorded. I'm not sure by the time this comes. Or no, this this is about to come out, so yeah. Um, this is about to come out. When the next, the next one drops, if things keep going the way they're going in terms of everyone being super organized, there may be episodes recorded by then. But they'll not hear them, Mark, until... July. July? Okay, yeah, that, that's, that's a ways down so, the road. Yeah, but long way. Yeah, we're, we're, doing, we're doing 2000s movies this go-around, so this is good. I'm actually pretty excited about this because this uh, decade we're covering, obviously, is like the decade that I turned 17 in, so it's what mm-hmm. I could go see. I, I It'll be the first one of these lists that I actually saw quite a few of these movies new in the theater. Uh, and yeah. a, a, lot, a lot of them just like hit me at like the perfect right time when I was like you know kind of 
starting to watch a little bit more grown-up shit, so um, there's also a lot of fucking garbage in these years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll try and steer clear of them. The, the exciting reason to... Well, the reason to be excited about this specific run, uh, as opposed to the years we've done previously, which, by the way, were awesome as well, uh, is just the sheer amount of... like If you've been listening to the previous uh, seasons of... Um, the summer series and going you know it just feels like they're talking about a lot of kind of western style horrors you know like a lot of English language American or British production horror movies then this one will make up for it and then some the sheer volume of uh, Asian and European horror that will make their way onto the list this year um, is going to be daunting I mean it's got there uh, certain episodes already look like they may be shaping up to be like um, two-thirds foreign horror one-third you know kind of Hollywood so I, I mean and I'm over the moon with that because that's that's my jam baby that's my jam um, so yeah uh, yeah keep your eyes peeled for that there will be more information dropping for sure on that one um, but guys Thank you very much for checking out this show. Remember and check out the other shows on the Teapots Collective, whether it's Opera Omnia, myself and Mr. Watson, continuing our look at the movies of Ben Wheatley, or it is something like Chronicle, which has returned doing its run of British folk horror movies. The next episode that drops will be covering The Wicker Man. Um, or maybe where to begin with Jallo, the brand new show which is taking you through a Jallo movie a month giving you a clear line from if you've never watched these movies before or you want to get into the subgenre that everyone seems to be talking about these days, these are the movies I recommend you watch. So, yeah, these are all available on the Teapots Collective. But until then, Mark, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners? Eyes without a face. That's my impression of smoke <laughs> singing uh, Eyes Without a Face. Uh, face. The, uh, is, is, that's, that's Billy Idol, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. You caught me just right nope. in that one. That, that's my send off. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, folks. Sorry, these movies were bad. We'll see you. Uh, see you at the end of May. Yes, we will indeed. Until the next time, take care. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. <laughs>